0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking about conserving the Galapagos Islands with Steve Walsh, the Lyle V. Jones Distinguished Professor of Geography and the Director of Carolina's Center for Galapagos Studies. Over the past several years, tourism at the Galapagos Islands has skyrocketed. There are thousands of more people visiting the islands than there used to be. So the Ecuadorian government asked you and a team of researchers to come up with some potential scenarios and outcomes for what could happen to the islands in the future if tourism keeps going at this pace. So we should start this by asking the question of what exactly are the tourists doing that could be having a negative impact on the islands? In
1: 1990, there were 10,000 residents 40,000 tourists. Today, there's 30,000 residents and 225,000 tourists that come to the Galapagos each year. The two are connected as more tourists come. They demand more residents to be there for jobs and tourism. And so the two are are statistically and innately linked. So the question becomes, what is this thing called the Galapagos paradox? The Galapagos paradox is that More people want to see the special place. More people want to engage with the animals that know no fear, that are endemic, meaning occur there and no place else on the planet. But as more and more people come to the Galapagos, they do jeopardize the Galapagos in subtle and not-so-subtle ways. It's not only the boots on the ground, the number of people in the islands, it's the indirect consequences of tourism bringing over everything from water to batteries to potato chips on, on boats that supply most of the food and services to the Galapagos Islands. That means invasive plants, invasive seeds, invasive bugs, mice, et cetera, make their way to the Galapagos in the holes of cargo ships. And so it's not just the number of people, it's the rate of change in the number of visitors, in the number of residents, and whether the urban infrastructure can keep pace. And it is also jeopardizing the Galapagos through the direct and indirect consequences of the expanding human dimension.
0: So what are some of these scenarios that you guys came up with?
1: We met with the Ministry of Environment and the Ministry of Tourism in the Galapagos. And we said, well, what, what, would, what do you think are reasonable futures for the Galapagos? And we had the idea that we would develop these what are called dynamic systems models that would allow us to look at different scenarios and we said well what are the scenarios that you think are realistic and we advocated that let's make sure we include a no growth model where tourism is is flatlined no more growth residents therefore slows to a trickle there is natural fertility growth in the islands but no large tourism increases so we said that should be one let's look at growth now and let's look at growth of a doubling in three years or the doubling in five years let's go let's go even further let's triple it in five years let's look also at a catastrophic reduction let's imagine that everything goes bad in the galapagos Uh, the environment decays the animals out migrate there's too much congestion there's poor water poor sanitation let's let's think of all the worst case scenarios and drive the tourism down so that we at least have four scenarios a a collapse of tourism a a no growth and then multiple growth scenarios and let us run these probabilities and run these models to advocate what would happen if if those things happen what would happen what would be the response in the islands and so we built around a dozen of these models actually so we would look at issues of transportation We would look at issues of importation of goods and products. We would look at the issues of energy. So we looked at a variety of these things, water and infrastructure, and tried to articulate what these changes in tourism and the imprint of the human dimension in the Galapagos means to Galapagos across a variety of slices of their
0: society. So what are some of the consequences to these scenarios? What are some of the things that might happen in the future?
1: Yeah, well, one of the things that, that we should understand is that there's about 150 tourist visitation sites that are distributed throughout the archipelago. About 50% are land-based and about 50% are marine-based. Animals in the key environment is not, are not distributed equally across the archipelago. In other words, the best places have already been cherry-picked. Uh, to deal with the increases in tourism. So that there are places that you can go see the Galapagos penguin that made its way long ago from Antarctica, from flamingos that made their way from Central America to marine iguanas and sea lions and and hammerhead sharks and sea turtles and, and tortoises. Those places have been identified. So the idea of finding additional sites, yes, that can happen, but they're unlikely to be of the high quality of the sites that we now have. So as we begin to think about increasing the number of tourists and we wish them to have the same environmental experience that they now have, the approachability, the iconic animals that the Galapagos is known for, the iconic landscapes, because they're very volcanic landscapes, much like Hawaii. And maybe people have have spent time in Hawaii and know about the island formations. Well, it's much the same way in the Galapagos. So the point is that If we increase the number of tourism we're unlikely to increase in a commensurate way the number of visitation sites that means people are at the existing sites for shorter periods of time there's more people per site so there's increased densification of people so there now are issues of too many boots on the ground too much pressure too much noise too much congestion too many boats too much probability of oil spills too much trash so it ratchets up the whole probabilities of environmental despair. And in that case, ecosystems are going to suffer goods and services that the ecosystem provides, such as uh, uh, nutrient fluxes and carbon and all the scientific things, but also the amenity resources that tourism seek. So the, the probability is the chances that we will see an environmental decay.
0: Why is it so important that we conserve the Galapagos Islands? What makes it so special?
1: Well, this place is an amazing place. It's about a thousand kilometers off the coast of Ecuador. The equator runs right through the archipelago. It's around 10 islands, 10 large islands, more or less, with hundreds of small islands that make up this archipelago. It's the archipelago that Charles Darwin made famous in his 1835 visit when he was 26 years old in the Galapagos Islands for about five weeks. His observations in his book that came out in 1859, 24 years later, shook science and actually shook religion because the standing perspective back then was that if God wanted animals that way, he had have created those in that form and in that way. But Darwin saw an evolutionary pattern, an adaptation, a linkage to nature, and an evolution as a consequence of of isolation. Remember, the islands are 1,000 kilometers, 600 miles away. They've never been uh, connected to the landmass. They're oceanic islands, and the idea that not only do they have high biodiversity, but they have tremendous endemism against species that occur there and no place else
0: on the planet. And I'm sure what happens in the Galapagos Islands affects more than just the islands. So what are some of the global consequences here? The Galapagos
1: is a national park. It's a Galapagos Marine Reserve. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So it is not just any place. It is the Galapagos. It has a world-renowned reputation. The idea that if plants and animals occur there in no place else, no place else in the planet, that the idea that if we lose them there, we threaten them there, they are lost forever. So there is a greater sense of urgency to get it right in the, the Galapagos. But there doesn't seem to be a magic bullet yet, no one's found it anyway, to find the best blending of conservation and development in a sustainable way. We can do this for periods of time, but how do you build a an approach to island ecosystems that are sustainable for the long term, so that the high quality of environments are there for your children and my children and and people around the world in the 10 and 20 and 50 and 100 years yet to come. That's the challenge.
0: Every once in a while, you hear about a government preventing tourists from visiting an island because the island has become so damaged from people visiting it. But you mentioned how many people have moved to the Galapagos for the tourism. So shutting it down doesn't really seem like it's a viable option here. So what are some of the solutions that you guys have seen?
1: Well, that's a good question. There has been talk from time to time about vacating one of the islands of residents uh, and tourists. But that's that's a political issue and that's unlikely to be done. So now it's an issue of how to manage tourism in the appropriate way. Uh, and, and so there are issues of trying to uh, stem the tide of, of growth in tourism, to look at more sustainable practices, uh, to uh, get tourists spread more evenly throughout the year. There are still large pulses. The big sending areas to the Galapagos are the United States, Germany, and the UK. In the U.S., it's oftentimes built around summer vacations, May, June, July, August, when kids are out of school. Uh, The idea is how to maybe spread the tourists out throughout a a, a broader period of time. There's two ways that tourists also come to see the Galapagos, and that is they're either boat-based tourism. They fly in, and they get put on a small yacht, uh, and they roam around the, uh, the archipelago with, and they generally eat there, they sleep there. There's tour guides on the boat that manage their, their uh, wet landings, dry landings onto the islands. But then there's land-based tourism where people stay in hotels. So the idea is how to manage that properly because they each, boat-based tourism, land-based tourism, have very different demands on the ecosystem. Can you apply what you're learning about the Galapagos to other parts of the world? Well, there are many that would say that if we can't get the Galapagos right, we can't get anything right. Uh, and the idea is, is that uh, when the Galapagos National Park was formed uh, about 50 years ago, uh, 97% of the land area of the archipelago is under control by the park. That means that only 3% of the land area is open for development. And that means the agricultural highlands and that means the, the tourist communities by the coast. And so some would even argue that the first human contact in the Galapagos was 1535, so it is believed. And from 1535 to today, there is about, so we estimate, 97, 95% of the species that were there in the Galapagos are still there. Now, others have mutated and evolved, so we have different kinds of species. But the idea is that uh, we're just seeing this development uh, trajectory. Uh, that could lead us to other island settings that, around the world that we already know have been damaged. We still love going to the Hawaiian Islands, but uh, uh, Oahu is, is heavily developed, uh, a million people or more. Uh, other island settings also fight the conundrum of conservation versus development. We see in our North Carolina coast many of the issues of land change dynamics, uh, uh challenges of more hotels, more infrastructure, so that it's not just Galapagos, it is being seen in coastal areas and island settings around the world, but we have a wonderful opportunity in the Galapagos as we think about it as a natural laboratory. Uh, access is restricted. People fly into two airports. We know how many people come in. We know how long they stay. We have a good uh, idea of the number of hotels, the number of, of boat berths, the number of hotel rooms. So it is a laboratory that has a bit more control uh, so that we know what's going on. It's a great way to understand tourism and development in a more global sense uh, with the idea that one day we will build this global model that we can export to other similarly challenged island settings around the globe.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast today. And don't forget to check back to unc.edu next week for another episode of Well Set.